morning, church. Oh, y'all can do better than that. Good morning, church. Good morning. Hallelujah. It's such a beautiful morning, and I'm so happy to be in the house of God on this morning. Amen. I thank God for provision. Uh, Gregory will tell you he was not expecting to play anything at all this morning. Uh, but God knew, and he was able to stand in the gap. So let's give Gregory a round of applause. Thank you, sir, for using your gifts and talents to glorify God. Before I get into the message on this morning, I have to share with you all um, some people were saying they got a lot of messages on yesterday. And so for those of you who have just uh, become acquainted with Excel Church, our whole entire um, goal is to do everything in excellence to the glory of God. And so whether we have 10 people or 10,000 people, within our means and within our resources, we're always going to try to do things in a way um, that, bring God, that brings God glory. And so one of the things we try to uh, do very decently and in order is keep record of your giving. And so uh, as you give every day, if you noticed it or not, the financial secretary, she goes into the um, office, she records your giving. And then once I review it, it gets batched. And so a lot of those batches went out last night. And what I discover is that we have an entire E-family, hello, E-family, who has been giving generously, uh, but we do not have a way to send you your giving receipts. Um, many of you give on Cash App, and unless you have, in some other form or fashion, shared with us your email, um, when you give by Cash App, uh, we don't have a way to send you your donation receipts. And so with this being the end of the year, um, and our church planning to send you your end of the year contribution statements in just a few weeks, I would encourage anyone who is giving who has not received a receipt at any point in time of your donation to please, please, please get in touch with us so we can get your email address and we can make sure that you have a record of your giving. So I'm going to give you uh, a code. Just text CONNECT, the word CONNECT, to 330-403-8088. Again, just text the word CONNECT. Somebody say connect to 330-403-8088, and we will be sure to reach out and get your email and make sure you receive your giving receipts. It was such a blessing to look through that. So many of the offerings had in the little subject prayer requests, and so it was a blessing to be able to see that we were on someone's heart and mind, even with so many ministries across the country that they saw fit to sow into our ministry so that we can continue to spread the gospel. We don't take that for granted. We give God praise for those offerings as well. Amen? Amen. All right. So that brings us to our third week of Advent. I'm excited about what God has been revealing to us as we have been approaching our celebration of the birth of our Savior. Now, you've seen, we've talked about a few things, and if you saw the title on YouTube or on Facebook, you probably know what we'll be talking about today, so a little bit of a spoiler alert. But nevertheless, I want to try to build the scene for where we're going and where we're headed. Now, 
I want to ask you, have you ever received or given a puppy for Christmas? Have you seen a movie where someone gave or received a, a puppy? There's normally this super cute, cuddly little fuzzball. And they're wearing the red bow around the neck, right? And it, it's very hard to contain, you would imagine. Something that's full of life, that's full of excitement, is going to be very hard to contain. And so you may have to, if you're planning to do something like this, be in a situation where you do this at the very last second, right? You got everything else up, you got the box ready, you got everything ready, or you may just let this little puppy come running in the room, and what happens immediately when those children see that puppy? Excitement begins to trickle to everyone in the room. And quite honestly, it won't stop there, right? They're gonna get on TikTok, they're gonna get on Instagram, they're gonna get somewhere, they're gonna tell everybody about this puppy. This puppy is going to bring amounts of joy that's uncontainable. I think you know where I'm going with this, right? Joy is a lot like puppies. Fortunately, not as hairy, doesn't make as much of a mess, but joy is boundless. Joy is uncontainable. Joy overflows, and when you've experienced joy, you do want to share it with everyone else. You want to share it with everyone you can. Joy bubbles over, and it touches everyone it comes into contact with. And joy is what we are celebrating on this third Sunday of Advent. Somebody say joy. If you've been journeying with us these past two weeks towards Christmas, you know that we've been celebrating Advent. And as a quick recap, the word Advent means coming or arrival. And the season is marked by expectation. It's marked by waiting, anticipation even, and a longing. And Advent is not just an extension of Christmas. It is a season that links the past, the present, and the future. Advent offers us the opportunity to share in this ancient longing for the coming of the Messiah, to celebrate his birth, and to be alert for his second coming. Advent looks back in celebration at the hope fulfilled in Jesus Christ's coming, while at the same time looking forward in hopeful an eager anticipation to the coming of Christ's kingdom when he returns for us as his people. So during Advent, we wait for both. It's an active, assured, and hopeful waiting. And each week we focus on a different attribute of God. 
represented in the coming of Jesus. Hope, joy, love, and peace. Because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the embodiment of these traits who has entered our world and who fills us with them all. And so if you were here with us on the very first week in the first Sunday of Advent, you remember we talked about Zechariah. Anybody remember Zechariah? And they were the parents, Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, of John the Baptist, who was sent to prepare the way for Jesus, our Messiah. Zechariah was a priest who received a visit from an angel that told him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. That's Luke chapter one, verses 13 through 15 for my note takers. The catch was that as we discussed, Zachariah and Elizabeth were old. Elizabeth was beyond childbearing years and the couple had never been able to have kids. So besides the shock from talking to an angel, Zachariah could not get over the fact that it was possible for his wife to still have a baby. And as a result, you remember, his voice was taken away until the baby was born. But today, let's look a little bit closer at Elizabeth. Because in the story of God with us, she deeply experienced joy in the midst of the miraculous events that she found herself suddenly in the middle of. And to understand Elizabeth's joy, we first have to understand a little bit about her pain. You see, the ancient Jews, children, for the ancient Jews, children were a tremendous blessing. Psalms 127 tells us in verses three through five, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Did you hear how the birth of children is framed? And for Israelites that cling to the word of God, not having children brought forth shame. They allowed them to pass on their name and their heritage 
And from a practical standpoint, they provided more hands to handle the daily tasks of life. Whether a father had a trade or a craft, it would be advantageous for that family line to have children to help in the growth and the sustaining of that heritage. And more importantly, as I shared with you just a moment ago in Psalm 127, three through five, children were viewed as a gift from God and a sign of God's favor. So then, with this context, you understand, to be childless would be a source of great frustration, sorrow, and shame. And this would have been Elizabeth's fate for many years. She would have most likely married Zachariah with hopes and dreams, and you know how we do, names already picked out from her family line of who she was going to name these children after. Maybe she endured the scorn of people asking her over and over again, so when are you gonna guys have children? She may have envisioned a home filled with kids. And as the years went by, and then the decades, maybe she began to lose hope. We talked a little bit last week about hope. We talked a little bit about how important it is that no matter how long it takes, that we have to protect and shield and guard and hold on to our hope to see it fulfilled. And so after experiencing this for all this time, year after year, decade after decade, this must have taken a toll on Elizabeth. I love how when we really look at the scripture, and how we really take the time to acquaint ourselves with the culture and what is happening and what's going on, how we can see much more than what the words on the page provide. But still we believe that Elizabeth, Elizabeth must have also known happiness through this period as well. We can see that she's deeply involved in community life, especially since Zachariah was a priest. And though she would have carried this emotional burden beneath the surface, she remained faithful to God. We know this because in Luke chapter 1 verse 6 it says, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. I think that tells us a little bit about what we should be doing while we're waiting and holding on to the hope that God's word is going to come to pass. I believe we're supposed to continue to be steadfast and righteous and faithful even when we don't see it right away. I laugh because I think about my journey with my husband as we were believing God for many of his promises, 
And oftentimes people think, I didn't even realize you guys were going through all of that. And it's because when you are committed to serving God, you don't get to a place where you serve God when things are going well and when they're not, well, I'm not, well, shoot, I'm not going to do this no more. Did this for a couple weeks. It didn't work. Went to church for a couple weeks. Ain't nothing changed. I know my trainer is probably thinking the same thing. I've been training for a couple weeks, and I check the scale faithfully every day. And I know she's thinking, it didn't take you a couple days to put all that weight on. It's going to take you more than a couple of days to take it all off. I got that. I understand that. I know there's no point of expecting an immediate change. I recognize that if I want to see it come to pass, I'm going to have to stick with this thing whether I see any visible changes right away or not. And one thing I've learned about walking in faith is when you walk by faith, you cannot walk by sight. You cannot keep taking the temperature. You cannot keep checking the bank account. You cannot keep calling the person. You cannot keep moving in the natural, trying to figure out if it's changed yet and get discouraged and throw in the towel and give up all hope because it didn't happen as quickly as you had planned. But you have to just be steadfast. And you have to continue to wait and be faithful and do all the things that you know to do until the move of God comes. Because God did come. On an ordinary day with Zechariah at work in the temple, the angel Gabriel showed up out of the blue. Somebody say, out of the blue. Out of the blue. So many times when we see someone that we think is an overnight sensation, the devil is a lie. They've been working hard, behind the scenes, unnoticed for years, decades, for a very long time. And it's something that happens. And then they are catapulted to a level where we see them. It's an ordinary day. But then out of the blue, a miraculous message comes. Zachariah couldn't even tell his wife what the angel had said. He would have had to either write it if Elizabeth was able to read or use some type of signs to give her the message. Elizabeth, I can only imagine this. If he's trying to sign it, she, I, I can only imagine her thinking, wait a minute, are you saying what I think you're saying? Are you telling me that after all this time, the thing that I almost stopped hoping for, the thing that I wanted so desperately and I thought about for day after day and year after year in the earlier part, the thing that I kind of had just put on the shelf and said, well, God, if you decide not to do it, that's okay. I love you anyhow. That is coming to pass in my life now? Hmm. She would have had to open her heart up to the possibility after hoping and waiting and praying for so long. And from what we can tell from Luke's account in the Bible in Luke chapter 1, verse 25, 
Elizabeth had an easier time of accepting this miraculous news than her husband did. Look there with me so you can see what she said. As soon as she was pregnant, she says, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. What's curious is that Luke also told us that Elizabeth spent the first five months of her pregnancy in seclusion. I don't know if you ever picked up on that as you've read this account from Luke. And there's no way for us to know exactly why she spent five months in seclusion. There's definitely some possibilities. I can remember when I was pregnant with my first child and I had been told you don't tell people right away that you're pregnant. Even though you may be excited, at least at that time, the convention was you keep it to yourself until you're out of the first trimester. Was it like that for you all, the first trimester? Because either you just wanted to make sure that the baby was safe and that the baby was growing healthy and you didn't want to have to tell everybody that you were having this baby and then if there was a complication, go back and tell everybody that you were not and deal with that pain. And so you protected the gift. You kept it to your close family, your close relatives. I wonder if Elizabeth spent that first five months, five being the number of grace, to protect her promise. I want you to know this morning that there are things that God is gifting, that he is planting. We talked about that birth last week. We talked about how he's birthed vision in us. We talked about how he's birthed ministry. He's birthed careers. He's birthed so many things. And that as those things are being birthed in us, we have to be careful who we share that gift with. We don't want to mishandle. We don't want to expose it to people who do not understand our faith. I can tell you plenty of times that God has shown Pastor Charles I and I something, and we just keep our mouth absolutely closed. Even when we saw this building, we didn't get everybody's hopes up right away. We prayed. We waited. We let the Lord do what he wanted to do. And when the ink was dry, when the deed was signed, when it was filed with the Summit County Clerk of Courts, then, then we made it known publicly. Because the other thing you will find out is sometimes you speak too quickly and the devil comes and tries to abort what God is getting ready to birth in your life. Oh, who am I talking to this morning? Oh, because we get real excited and we run off and we tell people and we're not really prepared for them not to receive and have the same excitement and the same joy, or as our young people say, the same energy that we have. And if we're not careful, we'll go get disappointed when they start throwing all the, well, what about this? 
when they start throwing all the doubt, when they start asking all the questions, are you sure about that? If you haven't been completely sold in your faith to believe God, even when it hasn't happened yet, even when it hasn't materialized yet, something like that can throw you off, can make you give up hope again, can make you say, oh, that is silly. What was I thinking? We don't know exactly why, but we know that for five months, Elizabeth was in this type of seclusion. And then something happened. As we talked about on last week, she received a visit from Mary. If you're following along with me, I'm still in Luke chapter 1. I'm looking at verse 41. Because now she's in the sixth month of her pregnancy, and she receives a deep encounter with joy brought by the coming Messiah, whose human life had just sprung into being in Mary's womb. Young Mary left her home shortly after her own angelic visit, and she came to stay with her cousin, Elizabeth, for three months. And as soon as she arrived, Elizabeth's baby leaped in her womb. And the scripture says, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've thought about that. But this is before Jesus is even outside of the womb. It's, he's still just in the womb and has this type of power to bring forth this type of joy. Imagine the power that we have to receive his joy now that he has come. With a sudden end to her silence and seclusion, Elizabeth's joy overflowed. And Luke 1, 42, 45 tells it that she greeted Mary with this insightful blessing. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. The puppy was out of the box now. Joy was overflowing and true to its nature, the joy was contagious. Now then Mary goes and burst into her own song of praise and thanksgiving as she gave words to the miracle happening through her. And finally, she was understood and believed and affirmed. Without Mary even having to explain, Elizabeth knew and gave voice to exactly what was going on. 
I don't know, maybe God had even spoke this to her in her time in, in seclusion and revealed this to her. But more than anyone else in the world was able to, these two women understood each other and shared a joy that can no longer be contained. No matter how difficult the journey was of getting there, no matter what they had gone through, no matter what the pain had been, the shame had been, the embarrassment before, when God is with us, now we have access to that joy. God with us, Emmanuel, was unleashing joy on earth. His joy already beginning to ripple outward. He is the source of our joy. If you're taking notes this morning, put down, Jesus is the source of our joy. Luke 1:57 said, her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her what? Joy. What would you and I give to know such joy? To see the scars and the shame of our life washed away so dramatically. Maybe you haven't seen it happen through such an obvious miracle, but the joy that Elizabeth experienced is available to us. This is the joy brought into our world by Jesus, God with us. And though we are living long past his time here on earth, his life and his joy are still available to us now. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Peter 1. And look at verses 8 through 9. 1 Peter 1, verses 8 through 9. The apostle Peter wrote, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. An inexpressible and glorious joy. This is what runs much deeper than happiness. We love to be happy, we love to feel good, but happiness, you understand, comes and goes. Happiness can come from many things. Your favorite song on a perfect summer day, an encouraging message from a friend, winning a big game, delicious meal. These are good, these are enjoyable things to be savored and enjoyed for sure, but they are all fleeting. Joy includes happiness, but it runs much deeper. Joy permeates our souls. In our lives, the stuff of joy looks like the birth of your child, your wedding day, being declared free of cancer for good, your loved one coming out of a coma with no brain damage. Joy is the rooted gratitude, meaning, and hope fulfilled, especially when it is based in relationship with our creator. 
Joy comes from God with us. Jesus is the source of this joy. Peter called it an inexpressible and glorious joy. That is the part of the inheritance we are receiving in Christ. That's part of our inheritance. When we begin to think about that, then we begin to be a little bit more protective of it. We cannot allow people and things and circumstances to come along and just take our joy. And that's the challenge that I have for you this week, to be very protective of your joy. And I don't care what comes your way. I don't care how surprising it is. I don't care how unnerving it is. I don't care how terrible it is. What if we all made the decision on this Advent Sunday that we are going to hold on to our joy? With his life and the promise of eternal life beyond this world, we can find the deep kind of joy that fills us no matter the pain that we still face here on this earth. As Jesus explained it to his disciples in John chapter 16, verse 22, when he was talking about his coming death and resurrection, he says, so with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. As we turn our eyes expectantly to Jesus in this Advent season, and as we walk with him beyond toward the day that he will come again and fulfill his healing work, we can experience his joy in the process. And we can know with confidence that an even greater unending joy awaits us one day. One day we will receive it in full. Yet even now we find hope and joy in what Jesus has done and what we know he will faithfully do in the future. And like Nehemiah of the Old Testament, the Jewish leader who faced great odds in the rebuilding of walls, in Jerusalem, we can experience the truth that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Somebody say that with me. The joy of the Lord is our strength. My second point for you this morning is that joy defies our circumstances. Joy defies our circumstances. When compared happiness and joy a little bit ago, but one of the things that we will discover is that when you define the characteristic of joy is that it defies our circumstances. And as I mentioned, happiness can come and go with the positive events or experiences, but joy is flowing deep even in the face of challenge even in the face of hardship, even in the face of suffering, joy drawn from Jesus, God with us, sees the big picture beyond the immediate pain. 
James famously said it best right at the beginning of his book of the Bible in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. James is telling us we can still have joy in the midst of the circumstance because if we begin to see things with the eyes of God, we recognize that this circumstance is just coming to make us stronger. It's just coming to develop character. It's just coming to to develop something in us that will help us to be able to stand stronger in God, that will help us to be able to go to the next level. And it's so important that we begin to realize this as Christians because God gave me the analogy that I will never forget. Long time ago, there was this game that was real popular called Candy Crush. Anybody remember Candy Crush? It was very addictive. And I remember my children had gotten their little devices for Christmas, and they were so excited, and they were playing Candy Crush. And there was this one little level that one of my kids could not clear. And so they handed me their device, and it was like, Mom, can you help me get off this level? And so I helped them clear that level, and what they found when they got to the next level was they were having problems clearing that next level because what? They never really learned what to do to even get off the level they were on before. I had to do it for them. And so they missed the lesson. And it was like each thing built on another thing. So if you didn't learn how to do step one, then you weren't going to make it on level 50. I need for us to embrace as Christians that you have prayed specific prayers to your heavenly father. You have asked him to do certain things in your life. You have requested certain blessings. And so we then cannot shy away from the tests and the trials and the tribulations that prepare us, that develop the character in us, that give us the skills and the abilities to be able to handle the blessings that are on the way. We've got to just be determined to stay in our joy, to stay faithful, to clear the level, so we can get to where it is that God is trying to take us. Joy defies our circumstances. Joy understands that there's more than what meets the eye. That God is at work always. Somebody say always. always. Even in the tough things of life. Eventually God will make everything right and healed and whole, including us. Because of that, we can experience joy in the here, in the now, no matter how how bad the here and the now looks and feels. Sure, there's a process involved, and that's part of the point as we continue opening our hearts to God's spirit, immersing ourselves in his word, aligning our thinking and our perspective to his ways, We experience his spirit working within us, bringing us clarity, understanding, and strength to trust and see and act 
and the joy he provides. And then my last point for you this morning is joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. What are the situations that are stealing your joy? What are the pains or the hurts that seem to overrule this even though you know this? I don't mean to make light of what any of us are going through because I know there are pains that are real. But can I encourage you to take a look at them from another angle and to allow God to give you another perspective and then make the choice to see it the way that God sees it? As we continue our Advent observance, this is a fact that joy can be a choice and it can be an action. We've talked about Mary in previous weeks and we talked about how her today as she spent with time with Elizabeth, she was overcome with joy when it, did be, when it did begin, if you look at Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 48, Mary's expression went like this. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. These are important words, with the key word being rejoices. It's the active form of joy, the verb. And this is Mary choosing and embracing joy in the role she had been given by God. And she didn't have to. Remember when we talked about it last week, that would have had to be difficult. When we see things, oftentimes, just like when we see people with blessings and we think, oh, they must have been made. Look at how wonderful their life is. The backstory of this is, yes, Mary is celebrated now, but as we talked about last week, she would have had to be ridiculed first. See, we have to make a decision, as I talked about a moment, when we are believing God and we are asking him to use us for his glory and we are submitting our lives to him and we're saying we're willing to be a vessel for him, that when he calls us and he chooses us, there may be a time of inconvenience, tribulation, and even persecution along the way of this journey. And if we can't handle that, we're not going to be able to handle the blessing because people are going to talk about you. You are going to have some obstacles. Anytime you go up, you're going to, even when you think about it, think about it in the natural. If you're going up and you're climbing mountains, they describe how the air changes the higher you get up. Well, the higher you go up, Things change. You get exposed to things that you may not have been exposed to before. And as we make a choice and say, yes, Lord, I understand you chose me for this. 
And although this may not be right now the most comfortable scenario, I'm ready to go where you want to take me. It's a choice. It makes me think about those movies where they are going to battle and the king or someone asks, is someone willing to step forward? And everybody steps back and leaves one person, the central character right there. And even though that central character didn't stand up and say, okay, I want to be the one, by virtue of everybody else standing back, now they are front and center. Maybe that's your circumstance today. Maybe you didn't necessarily want to stand up. Maybe everybody else on the line just stood backwards. And now here you are trying to take the family forward, trying to take the business forward, trying to carry the ministry forward trying to carry the assignment forward. And maybe you thought when you started out there was going to be a whole lot more help. And you look up and you realize, oh, it's on me. You know what the temptation is when that happens, right? <laughs> the temptation. We miss that this is an opportunity to choose joy. It's real easy when you see everybody else doing something to be like, well, shoot, they're not doing it. I'm not doing it either. Here's what we miss when we do that. The blessing. <laughs> Listen, the blessing. I get excited when I see that happen. I get excited when the room clears. Oh, this must be a hard one. I know with you, God, we can do it. And see, sometimes, like I said, you will watch God elevate people. You will watch people go to another level, and you will think, oh, they have it so good. Not recognizing that it's not a matter of them having it good. It's a matter of them being willing to persevere, willing to go the distance, willing to believe God. And then as a result of that, God being able to do the supernatural in their life, just as he wants to do in ours as well. He wants to do something supernatural through each and every one of us. My challenge this morning is will you choose the joy? Will you hold on to this joy even when the temptation is to throw in the towel? That's going to be the temptation. So as we go forward this week and we reflect on Mary's example, of how she could have looked at her situation, how she could have said, I did not sign up for this. Who said I wanted to be the mother of the Savior? Who said I wanted to experience this ridicule? But when we see in her words, her response, she rejoices. She chooses joy. She focuses on the bigger picture and embraces her difficult role. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but I need you to focus on the bigger picture. Don't look at what everybody else is doing. God didn't ask everybody else to be the mother of Jesus. He asked you, Mary. I called you. I know that you can do this. God didn't ask everybody else to do the assignment he gave you to do. Do not get discouraged by everybody else that's not doing it. This is between you and your God. He has something special in store for you. 
And in a similar way, in our own situations, in our own seasons, we can do the same. We can choose joy. We can rejoice. We can embrace the miracle of God with us and align our vision with the work he is doing in and through us. Philippians 4.14 tells us, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. So let's choose to make this a season of joy. Let us rejoice as we figuratively await the arrival of Christ. And let's celebrate his birth with joy. God is with us. And so joy is with us. A joy that flows deep within our spirits. A joy that flows outward because our king, our savior, is with us. Father, I thank you for the reminders that you have given us in this season of the gifts you have left us with. Father, we will not be in a mindset where we believe that gifts must be material. Father, we will remember as your children these gifts that you have given us that far exceed anything of earthly value. Father, we thank you right now for this gift of joy. And we are determined in the mighty name of Jesus to hold on to our inheritance of what you have blessed us to receive. God, help us to walk in this joy. Help us to experience this joy. And once we experience it, God, help us to never let it go, no matter what comes our way. God, help us as your children to not only have this joy, but to take it and spread it and make sure that it's contagious and that everyone that we come into contact with experiences your joy as well. And when you do this, Father, let us be careful to give you and you alone the praise and the honor and the glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. <laughs>